Hey guys, welcome to Cold Film Interview, the podcast where we discuss the films you love, but no one else gets, and we see if they still hold up. Tonight, we're on a post-apocalyptic adventure through the wasteland filled of nostalgia, and our new best friend is a robot that can't stop smiling, because we're talking about Turbo Kid. So let's start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hey guys, thanks for joining the cult this week. Uh, we really appreciate it. Do us a favor, head over to our iTunes and subscribe and leave us a review. We'll give you a shout out at the end of the show if you do. Uh, then head over to our YouTube uh, page, subscribe there, leave us some comments and uh, watch our videos. And don't forget that on May 18th, we will be showing American Movie at Phoenix Film Bar. You can get your tickets where, Chris? TheFilmBarPHX.com. That's correct. As always, I am joined by Kyle Smith. Hey, how's it going? Chris Wilmer. Hey, what's up? And Michael Salustio. Hi, everybody. Tonight, we're talking about Turbo Kid. It was directed by Francisco Simard? Francois. Franc what? Let's, say, let's go with Francois Simard. That's one of the directors. Oh, okay. What's the next one? Anouk? Anouk Wassell. And Yoan Carl Wassell. All right. Yoan Carl pa Wassell. Hard pass. <laughs> this movie came out in 2015, has an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, and was Mike's pick. Mm. Mike, why did you pick Turbo Kid? So we hadn't done like a fan pick in a while, namely because we're horrible, I think. <laughs> Um, I think we just kind of forgot. So, I, like, I, we forgot. <laughs> I, maybe that's it. But here's the thing: like, the reason I picked it was because. So, like, basically, what happens is, is like, anytime a, a fan contacts us and says, "Hey, guys, you should do this film," I want I want them to know that we do like log these things. Like, I have I have a list that I keep a list. Anytime I hear about a new film that we've never heard or one that's not on the list, I'll put it on the list, right? And I thought about it. And I was like, man, when's the last time we picked one? And uh, Turbo Kid was one that had recently come up a few months ago, and I would say every two months somebody mentions this film. Mm -hmm. And it's a film I hadn't seen, probably because it is 2015. This may be the latest, the most modern film we reviewed. I'm not sure. I mm -hmm. think it is, actually. Uh, me and Chris were talking about that earlier. Yeah. I was like, is this the newest film? I think that it might be. And maybe that's why it fell off. But I had heard about people talking about yeah. it. In the same way people talk about Kung Fury. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if it was like a cult following, but then it kind of like, kind of, thought about it and I was like well this many people wouldn't be talking about it and I hadn't heard about it if it wasn't a cult film right like something's keeping this film uh, you know in our fans minds and you know I, I only I think it was time that we had to we had to touch on it I you know what I'm in the same boat as you I had never seen this before because I heard a bunch of hype about this movie mm -hmm. and I was like I'm gonna like I'm gonna let the hype die down because usually when there's a bunch of hype about a movie I walk into it like super critical and assholey mm -hmm. and then I'm like <laughs> Fuck this. What a bunch of idiots. I don't know why I do that. So I always know, like, if there's a film like that, like, I need to take my time before I see it. Right. Like, A Quiet Place. I'll probably take that's my time before. That's how I feel, too. Uh, like, A Quiet Place, I'll probably take my time before I see it. It's a newer film that's out. Everybody's fucking going crazy about it yeah. right now. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go into it super critical. I need to back off. Like, I need to. Yeah. You put it perfectly. Yeah. You put it perfectly. I never thought about it that way. But, like, that's exactly how I feel about a lot of the new stuff that comes out is I'm like, I'm hearing too much about it right now. 
Like, I don't want to get into it when it's all the rage. I want to mm-hmm. let it die down and have, be able to form my own opinion. You know what that, I mean? So, yeah. Uh, Baby Driver was like that for me. Yeah. I just didn't want to. Everybody was like, it's the greatest movie. Right. You know what it and is? then I saw it and it was great. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, so you know what right, it is for but... me, though? It's like, it's not that I'm like, I'm consciously avoiding it. Cause I mean, I do agree. There has been some films that I've consciously was like, well, I'm not going to fucking watch that because they said I'm going to like it. And I don't want, I don't want to go into it with that. But I think more so for me, especially movies in theaters, it's just like, man, it just stems from a thing of like laziness. Like, it takes a lot for me to get me to actually go to the movie theaters nowadays. Like, it takes a lot. So, and does anybody like, I mean, now that we've been doing this podcast for so long, I also feel like I have a tendency to be more inclined to like try to find like cult films I may have missed. Right. And yeah. watch those rather than like, oh, there's well, a new. I mean, if it's a Marvel movie, forget it. Yeah, I'm going. Right. <laughs> yeah, but, but no, like the big, like, like I said, like a Quiet Place. Like everybody's going crazy about yeah. that right now. This is, you know, I mean, Get Out was the well, same way last yeah, year. Yeah, Get but, Out was but the same I, way too. And I really yeah. wanted to see that movie really bad, but yeah, I think I spent a lot of my time watching movies either for this podcast or digging or diving deeper into new older films that I never heard of. That I just don't have the time to actually get to the theater as often. Yeah. So. I, f- I just watched, um, and this is a little off topic, but kind of on the same topic, I just watched It Comes at Night. Oh, how is that? That had like a, again, this whole, this hype thing, hype, it was yeah. a big deal, whatever. And I'm really, this is exactly the reason why it's like I don't go see movies right away is because I walked away from that movie like, eh, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it's exactly what I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, I think I'm more so inclined to believe it's going to be meh versus amazing. Right, you know, especially nowadays. Oh, I agree. Like, dude, when, when unless it's a Marvel movie, when fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when like you fucking the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie remakes are coming out and those are killing it at the box office. I don't, I don't tend to trust people's opinions on films. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's but those what... films weren't critically acclaimed. No, no, but to, I, I didn't know Turbo Kid actually was this. Highly ranked. Well, I I remember the trailer. Trailers. I remember the trailer when it when the trailer first dropped. I thought this is like gonna be fucking incredible. But well, one like didn't win like a bunch of stuff at cons or something like that. I had no like, idea. I, I just remember the trailer dropped and I thought I gotta see that. And then <laughs> it popped up on Netflix finally, and I totally forgot about it until I was like, oh shit, that movie. Think yeah. didn't it get some hype at Sundance too? Yeah, it did. maybe that's like, maybe I mean, Sundance. It, I'm it, it toured the it toured the the yeah. festival circuit. It did well. The prestigious festival right. circuit. Which I think is cool. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, what do you, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> I can't think of the word, but like, it, it, it's, it's fun to see this style of film go to like a, a, a can, you know, a Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, I agree. A forced cult film t- style film? Uh-oh. Maybe so, to, oh, to be determined. Yeah, we know. <laughs> be we go again. determined. That mm-hmm. is correct. Uh, speaking of that, let's just get in. Why don't we get into the plot with uh, Plots with Mike? Turbo. Kid. <laughs> it's just p- soft pitch there. I, want, I wanted to get, I wanted to get a, <laughs> a dramatic pause. Mm, I'll cut it out later. Damn it. Turbo Kid. <laughs> uh, it stars this uh, young young child. He lives in a post-apocalyptic world that happens, I believe, takes place in 1997. Correct. I believe that's what they say. So it exists in this world in almost like an alternate reality where a bomb goes off, I imagine, sometime in the late 80s or early 90s. Probably during the Cold War. Yeah, okay, there we go. That makes a lot more sense. Let's say it seems like it takes place in in an alternate reality where the Cold War actually happens, right? And because everything 
in this world is really low tech. It's very 80s mixed with some weird high tech stuff, which we'll get into in a second. But there's this young kid. He's a loner, a scavenger, so to speak. He he's he goes out um, much like Ray from the new Star Wars <laughs> movies. Like he goes out, True. finds stuff, uh, it scavenges it and goes back to like a town and he gets a guy to pay some water or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And um he comes across a guy known as the arm wrestler. They call him. He's like this. He's the badass of this town. Mm-hmm. He seems semi heroic, pretty heroic. Frederick. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, this guy finds out his brother has been taken by this warlord named Zeus, and uh, his brother is killed. Um, he gets captured, and Turbo Kid, uh, he kind of goes off and does his own thing, and he meets this girl who's kind of crazy, kind of wacky. We're not exactly sure what she's all about, but she takes a liking to him in a very obsessive kind of way. And um, they kind of go out to scavenge one day, and these same people that try that kidnap this, this superhero kind of guy, this arm wrestler guy, um, attack them. And Turbo Kid comes across like a spaceship from, like, I'm guessing... Like the war gone past, I couldn't figure this one out. I don't Dude, know. I'm glad you brought that up because I have a question about that too. We'll definitely talk about it. But he does come across higher tech, right? And he comes across this super suit that kind of turns him into Turbo Kid. He decides he's going to go and save his girlfriend. He meets up also with the arm wrestler who's also been captured, and they basically try to take on Zeus. Mm-hmm. And that's really the plot of this film. But it's all taken place in this post apocalyptic world that has a very like. 80s, 90s feel about it. Lot, real lot heavy on the nostalgia, very stylistic. Um, yeah, that that's the plot. Let's don't forget the there's a there's a there's a really great the thing that the, actually the only thing I think that saves this movie a little bit for me is uh, don't a, give away there's your a great reviews. there's a great uh, <laughs> there's a great revenge plot that's intertwined in there and, is there and is they, and we we'll, yeah we'll talk about that because there is a reveal as to why uh, how this all intertwines together because mm-hmm. there are a little bit of a few moving parts in this film. All right. That was plus and Mike. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, right there. Sure. Yeah. With, <laughs> like, this is, it's weird because I, you know, I have, you know, kind of like cultural influences and stuff like that down for the, the next little segment here. But this movie came out so, so recently. Well, that it's kind of. Okay. Yeah. Know, How about cultural influences that as influence far as this, this movie? Film, this film? That'd like, be a better talking point. Mad Max. I definitely got that. Yeah. Much. I, sure, I, sure. Anything, yeah. anything from the 80s is yeah. what I, I got like, from this. <laughs> I got a Term- Terminator vibe from yep. it. Got yeah. a little Terminator. Got a little cyborg. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll appreciate this, Cody. Uh, Sammy said, it feels like Waterworld. Actually, I thought the same yeah. thing, and I yeah, and like, I thought to myself, I was like, "What? Who? Ne- nobody's ever said that in life. <laughs> nobody, I, I nobody mean, remembers Waterworld. I hadn't you? realized, <laughs> like, I hadn't seen Michael Ironside in a while. Oof, what a great villain! Uh, he's always been a great he plays, villain. He plays eighties. He, plays, 80s, he ruled That's it. where the, he plays a very Dennis Hopper villain from Waterworld. Exactly. And, does. and even actually, when I saw the preview, like the cover art for for the film. Uh, like for a second, I was like, "Is that Dennis Hopper?" I'm like, "Dennis Hopper couldn't have been in this film." Yeah, and I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Oh, it's Michael Ironside." I mean, mm-hmm. I guess kind of even like that. That's just as good for me. I mean, yeah, like, fuck yeah, I love Michael. And Ironside. The, the funny thing is, is like the the no- nostalgia thing for this film uh, is I always kind of it's weird. Like it does have it, but it's so it's 
Like everybody talks about the feeling of it, but it's so little of what's actually in this film of that's nostalgic because they're think about it, they're outside in a wasteland most of the time in this film. The really the only time you get to see stuff is in the shop and in his little like home. Well, I disagree. I I, th- I, I think that this film is completely layered with nostalgia. Whether yeah. even if it's like shots, like particularly yeah. the way the a shot looks or the way lighting is, or the way they do some of the special yeah. effects and some of the visual effects e- too. Exactly. I think I think yes, you like physical nostalgia, like VHS tapes and you know, Walkmans and shit like that. Like, yeah, like you get that peppered in through mm-hmm. the wasteland because it's kind of a giant junkyard, really. Yeah. Um, but, but, I, but yes, but I, even the way the film is presented has a very nostalgic feeling. And, yeah. and like, another thing I like is all generic nostalgia. Like, at no it point is. in time does he pull out like a Pepsi One. Right. Like, yeah. like, like a Crystal Pepsi or something or, like yeah, that. Cre- like, it's nothing that, like, we recognize. Like, even there's a comic book. It's it, Turbo Man, is it? It's Turbo Rider. Turbo Rider, right. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's a generic comic book character, but it could be Ghost Rider. It could be the Hulk. It could be any of these, yeah. you know? Like, it's, it's, it's the feeling of nostalgia, not necessarily specific pop culture references. Well, yeah, right, but watching this movie, I mean, you gotta, you gotta admit, you feel like you're watching like oh, a, sure. a fucking, like you're watching a um, the, a, a canon film mm-hmm. mixed with a little bit of um, what's the guy who did like Japanese Robocop, film? and he did, and he did Paul Verhoeven. Paul Paul Verhoeven got a but huge even, vibe in this uh, on yeah. that. From even, him. Uh, but even then, even Paul Verhoeven's movies like aren't like. I'm, like the blood splatters and stuff like that in this film are very remind me of very much of Japanese films, not so much eighties, not so much eighties films. Because it's way over the top. Yeah, it's way over the top. But Even Paul Verhoeven films fine. are not that over the no, top. No, but but if you look at Paul Verhoeven films, uh, you're talking about like the the way that he treats the way that he his, he treats, his films treats future and and, his, and, and 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 desolation wastelands and living in kind of a shitty, crummy, dirty future. It, it's got that vibe. Well, he keep... always did like stuff very realistically, though, as far as like gun violence and. Yeah, things. well, I'm not that. talking about Paul... just the violence, though. But when also, I say Paul Verhoeven, I don't say violence. I'm the vi- saying the way the but film. That's what is. he's known for. The violence. Was... The violence in this. Hold on. The la- the violence in this movie is played for laughs. It's laughs. Too, oh yeah, it's completely 100%. different than yeah. a Paul Verhoeven film, which is not. Which know, I yeah. which I never said that at all. Just saying. No, no, no. I'm saying to to his point. Like yeah. I would even say yeah. that even in for Japanese films, I don't feel like. Oh, like when like, a samurai cuts a head off and no, no, like, out that that's all like a ha ha moment. No, no, I'm thinking like like Tokyo, like like Tokyo horror and and stuff like that. Like, I mean, it, a, it, it definitely it definitely okay. feels like a manga. Maybe. It feels like a manga comic in terms of the ultra violence. Yeah, there's, for yeah. sure. Yes. There's a genre of like like Tokyo shock films that you know what I mean. I mean, there's that, a scene in this where just a like disembodied, <laughs> disembodied, like a or, cut in half body. Ends up on the top of two other yeah. people and they can't figure out where they are. <laughs> They're stuck inside. <laughs> Pretty their hilarious. It's almost actually. I'd almost give it more more of a taste of like an like an army of darkness type of comedy mm. in terms of the violence, like comedy for yeah. the yeah. violence in the sense of like it's a cartoonish. Or uh, it, yeah, it's extremely theatrical yes. and over the top. I mean, it's like I, I even think of like that scene in Adam's Family where they're like doing the play and they're cutting each other's arms off and shit, and there's Very, blood yeah. just yeah. spraying yeah. everywhere. I mean, we've seen this before, you know, but I feel like this film definitely takes it to a new level, and they get pretty creative with a lot of the gore. And you know, the funny thing about this film too is, I so I I didn't know anything going into this film. I didn't know what it was. Ra- it's not rated, so I couldn't no. tell what it was rated. Um, R, I guess it's not. It's just, no. It's actually just NR. It's not like, right. Yeah. They don't want to pay but, for it, right? Um, <laughs> but you know, I 
I thought for a second like it was like Turbo Kid. Like I really did think it was going to be like maybe this is like a kids movie. Uh-huh. There was a part of me that really thought like maybe they're. I understand that it's like a nostalgic film about a certain era of of filmmaking, but like. I didn't realize that it was going to be this ultra gory thing with like teenagers. <laughs> I think that was I think that was like the main goal though was to 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 pay homage to the kids movies of like Yeah, like like Three Ninjas like this could have been like like the, I would yeah. say especially the BMX bikes. Yeah, I was going to say they're yeah, riding around BMX bikes yeah. for Christ's sake. Like How many BMX movies were yeah. there in the 80s? Like there was I mean, I mean even ET they were riding I mean, around it, BMX it, bikes. I, yeah. I remember seeing the trailer for this and the trailer had a heavy emphasis on the bikes but in almost zero Emphasis or let it on at all that there was any gore. So I really thought, yeah, like this is something similar to like, yeah, you know, one of those, uh, one of the movie we did with recently, the skate movie and Gleaming the Cube oh, or the some, cube, yeah. something like that. It was like these, like, yeah, it, they didn't do a good job making you expect gore. So yeah. that's why when it hits you, it's pretty fantastic. You're like, okay, fuck yeah, there's a head on a stick. Head on a stick. With that being said, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about Turbo Kid. Rule number five. Six. Rule number six. Yes. Always carry a weapon. And seven, if you don't have one, make one. Make one. Making a weapon. Talking about Turbo Kid. 2015. Yep. 2015. Long time ago. 2015 took, takes place in the 90s. Yeah, I like that about this film. I like that it takes place in 1997. Opened up in this post-apocalyptic world where there's naked rats that will scratch your face. Oh, yeah. yeah they'll fuck you up. Like like mutant rats. I, I'll tell you what, though, man. I uh, The beginning of this film, for me, uh, was hard to get into. Okay, why? I, I just feel like it. the characters weren't likable enough literally until Apple showed up. That's hmm. a big thing for you. Can I say that? You yeah. talk about that a lot. You need likable people. Mm-hmm. I need so to always care. wants to be surrounded by likable people. Yes. I need to yes. care. I need to care about what's going to happen to people. Yeah. He, I mean, he likes to go on their journey. Likeable, yeah, he likes yeah. to go on their journey. I thought I, I didn't have a problem with that at all. Yeah, I didn't I don't know why what what didn't you like about Turbo Kid? He was just uh, like it, too turboy. <laughs> he was <laughs> not enough kid. <laughs> no, he was. There wasn't like the, at that point. You don't really get the backstory of him yet. You, uh, okay. he just kind of is just like a kind of a scavenger, and he's not like personal or like. There's a movie that can compare this to that is. I feel like it's very similar to which is Zombie Force Awakens. Zombie Land. Yeah. <laughs> Zombie Land. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I can compare the main characters to each other. Pretty. They're pretty similar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but where uh, the character, the main character in Zombieland, uh, was it Ohio? Ohio. Yeah, he has like a state as a yeah, name. yeah, yeah. Is is likable in the fact that he's funny right off the bat, as far as like here are my rules, blah blah blah, yeah. blah and you get the sense of humor and that he's kind of like this. He's he's survived because he's smart. You know what I mean? But he may he may be kind of cowardice and stuff like that. This takes a little bit of time before you get you don't get that right away with him, I feel like. I don't think he's ever funny in this. No. Yeah. I didn't get like No, I got socially awkward. 
Yeah, me too. Well, I mean, he's, he's been, been on his own. A, yeah, he's been a, on his own by himself for so long, and that's that, like I, I, that's the same. Wrong. That's the same storyline with the character from. That's the same storyline with the character from Zombieland. Well, so I haven't like, seen Zombieland. Does the character from Zombieland like break the fourth wall and talk to the audience or something, or is yes. he just talking to himself? So it's a it's, del- well, totally different. Well, no, he talks type to himself, character. but it's it kind of. It's, well, it's kind of breaking the fourth wall because wall, they pop up yeah. the, the rules like on the big, yeah. you know. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a different interaction with the audience you're getting from that character in general, I think. With this, it's supposed to, I think, demonstrate the isolation that he's, you know. I'm going to I'm gonna say it again. If you haven't caught on, I really thought this was The Force Awakens, like the same plot. <laughs> right when I saw it, I was like, all right, so as a kid, he lives away from this village, but he goes out and he scavenges and stuff, and he comes back and he sells it to this really mean kind of guy that's just like, "I'll give you pennies for this shit," and then he goes on an adventure. I don't know if I think I don't think Bagu was a piece of shit. No, what? I don't think Bagu was a piece of shit. I don't think so. No, I mean, he, like he definitely didn't give him like an. Uh, you don't get the impression that he gave him an honest price for in, what he in, was giving in, him in a yeah, world full of scoundrels him, he still gave dude, him a like, comic book he had, he had sentimental yeah, enough yeah, to give him the did. comic he book he definitely gave him the comic book he did I like i'll try to make it better because this got, water i got sucks. a weird no I, I didn't get that i got like a weird like semi-parental vibe off of him like someone you're right yeah, yeah i guess you're right it's better than the whatever that alien is that's like i'll buy the robot um yeah I'm talking about Force Awakens now mm-hmm. I, I realize that also he also has a robot companion so <laughs> That is also true, yeah. Just yeah, like so Ray. I just made another connection I didn't realize. But so um, somebody should call JJ yeah. Abrams and ask why did he steal from Turbo, Turbo Kid. Kid? Yeah. <laughs> Here's my question. I, I, I and Mike Kazan wrote that. Kind of talked about this in in the plots with Mike a little bit too. Uh, is my question is is Turbo Rider a fictional person or is Turbo Rider real? Because he gets in that spaceship, and that's fucking Turbo Rider's like suits and yeah. abilities. I thought it was real. the comic book was based off real, just in the same way that they kind of treated uh, X Men in the movie Logan, where it was like comic. There was comic books made about the X Men, saying that there was like this fan fiction that followed them. They're real, and I think it's the same kind of idea. This movie's really weird when talking about the whole post-apocalypse, what caused the war? Because oh, it's like that whole scene leads you to believe that it was a war of, like, machines maybe, and this was somebody who was he- fighting them. Maybe he's from outer space. Maybe he's not. Maybe he was actually part of, like, an elite military fighting unit that was the last-ditch effort to take on the robots or the machine menace or some shit. Here's, That's the vibe that I got. Here's That's what I got. Well, too. here's what I get. And... Now I'm wondering if it, like, because I really liked when you said, like, the Cold War. I was like, yeah. And now I'm thinking about it. I was like, wait, no, this is more like a like a Terminator Skynet kind of thing. Because when the big thing is revealed about the robot at the end, right? Yeah. The robots are clear. Let's just put it this way. It, it, throughout, it, by the end of the film, you realize very, very clearly that the robots were built by, by man. Right. They built the robots. And they're pepper, peppered throughout the story is... The idea that, like, yeah, these robots definitely kind of went up against man to some extent or something, and this must have maybe caused this nuclear right. weapon, or maybe man himself decided to to wipe himself out, and I the think, robots were only no. things I left. Think... I don't know, but I don't. Here's the thing: I just don't think it bogs itself down with all of this like backstory that much. Like, I don't know why uh, uh, Turbo Rider is in a spaceship, <laughs> like. Well, we don't know that it's a, a spaceship per could be se. A train it could, car. It could. It, it could easily just be like a fucking jet that you know it doesn't mean it's intergalactic. 
We they, at no point do they indicate at all there's any kind of intergalactic element to this no, no, character no, I, at all. I, I'm not, I'm not a, guessing it's that just right. A, it's just a vessel. But that's we can we can say that the technology in that craft is seems to be almost far superior to everything else, except for the robots. No, I think I, yeah, and I, I think that's why it's made by man because when when we get the reveal at the end that 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 character's robot powers are on par with anything technological in that spaceship. So yeah, I think. You're right. I think it is a Skynet situation in this movie if we have to just kind of put the pieces together ourselves is that humans created robots, robots turned on humans, humans decided to fight back, and maybe they created this elite fighting force called Turbo Riders or some shit And I like think that. that, yeah, because I think... But then it, it is kind of wow. like you do question like what exactly happened to into the war because even Apple has like a thing where she's like... Because I believe he, he has some sort of line like I thought all robots were evil. Or something like that, I believe he, he yeah, says. Yeah, which like, leads well, me to believe that this was like, you know, friggin' Battlestar Galactica yeah. situation where it's like, she's like, robots are just bad people. She's like, I'm a friend bot. Well, yeah. that's the thing, too, is like... Uh, well, uh, that, no, well, but but that line, though, you can, you have to chalk that up to ignorance because he was born into this world. He has absolutely no knowledge mm. of the world prior to the robots before they switch evil. So the only thing he knows is that robots are evil. But even Zeus, I, I, yeah. But Zeus is not like wasn't a military robot. He was a no, but he was he, he was a turned robot. He was a turned robot. Yeah, I forgot what he did exactly. But there's like also copies. Well, but you have to you have to also assume that if there's a graveyard for all of these robots, like well, I gotta imagine man decided to to, to decommission them. To I don't. Some I don't think man decided. I think it was a war. Between humans and robots, right? Yes, that's okay. So then, like, so there's a good reason for him to think that all robots would be evil, right? I'm saying that because he was not born into the world prior to when the robots were built uh-huh. by humans originally as servants. I'm picturing this more as like there's like an iRobot situation, right? You have all these robots who are subservient and are just house servants, and then they fucking switch. Right, Skynet happens. And all the robots go, all right, it's human murder time. Yeah. And, like, and then that's a war breaks out. Unfortunately, our main character is born after the good time, so all he does know is the fact that robots are evil. So that's why it would explain him saying, I thought all robots were evil. And she's like, well, no, it depends on how we were programmed. So he doesn't know that there's actual good robots. He just knows the fact that robots killed humans. And let me ask you this question, too. Do you think... That Apple is being somewhat protected by her first friend. Uh, what do you mean? Like, what is that? What? Her first friend, the guy that that the, died, the dead, dead guy. guy? Yeah. Yes. Who was like somewhat dressed military-ish and stuff like that. Uh, and like yeah. the bracelet thing, I feel like has some sort of purpose too that I don't think is fully explained clearly. Besides the fact that it allows her to track him. So like, there's like an eight-minute music video. It's a prequel, right? Yeah, it's like supposed I to be read like a about prequel this. I haven't about seen it. Yeah. like what happened there. Yes, I didn't. I didn't see it either. I should have. I should have watched it. But, um, I mean, I you know, I got, I got, I got, I got the assumption her being a robot. It's probably a very similar situation to her and, and Turbo Kid, like where she latched on to somebody. That person died, and she just as a robot would do, just kind of sat there and says, "Well, I guess I'll just." Wait for another friend. Right, because she's Because that's a her, pro- her right. programming yeah. is just to be a friend. Right, so that's... And then she saw the first person that came across her path and said, you're it, boom, mm-hmm. slaps on, a, you know, the snap bracelet. And it's so weird that the, the, the snap bracelet can't be taken off. Like, I, I just wonder what the purpose is behind that, like... So, behind, she, so she can so always she, know where he is. She can always know where the friend is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
But I don't know. It just seems so invasive. As a consumer, you would have think that. Well, a human not really, this. not really. Because think about it. Uh, think about like. All right, we're just gonna get into the practical marketing aspects of of robots, right? So <laughs> think about you've got you've got you've got a, a family who's got a young kid, and you have two parents who are working all the time, and and maybe they can't always keep an eye on their kids, so they hire they they purchase this friend bot, and the friend bot's job is to make sure the kids stay safe, keep an eye on them, and also be a companion. The bracelet would make sense because you're going to want to make sure that kid can be found at any t- given time. The robot can never, so if the kid gets out, you can be able to find him. It makes sense to me. I can, I can okay. see, I can see, I can see people buying that. Last question about Apple then, the, uh, and her programming then too. Um, does she get broken? Do- does she get broken by I, uh, by iOS 11 updates? Yeah. Yes, I think so. I think <laughs> she does. She gets bricked. It's pretty clear. Yeah. No, do you think she has evolved past her programming or? That uh, her programming allows her to feel. I think her she's in in it, but yeah, I, I th- there's some, there's definitely something about robots in this film where any one of them seem to be able to uh, emotionally connect. Yeah, emotionally connect. I think so because yeah, because even, he's t- even when when we find out that the the main villain is actually a robot, um, he he turns against his own master like because I can do a better job than this. I don't know if that's an emotional response, except more of a calculating one, though, right? Uh, I mean, is that the thing we're scared of right now with AI robots? They're just going to be like humans aren't are aren't very useful. And that's, that's kind of his. Like, that's kind of his you know? conclusion. Yeah. So okay, here, here's the one reason I think that this may be the case. So <laughs> we find out that she's a robot at one point in time, and after we find that she's a robot, they're looking up at the stars, right? And there's a moment where he's like, "Yeah, you ever wonder what the stars are?" And she gives a completely analytical answer of like, yeah. "They're flaming balls of nuclear, you know, waste in the sky that you know come together and they've ignited, and you know, those are all distant galaxies or whatever." And he said, uh, "Okay, yeah, but my mom used to say that for every person that died in the war, you know." Uh, a, new, a star was born. So after the war, that's why you see all these stars. And she immediately says, yeah, that seems like a cool idea too. A robot, I feel, would be like, yeah, no, it's it really is what I said. No, she <laughs> picks up, I mean, she's smart enough to pick up on his emotions and right. try to react along with him. But I don't think that she's right. doing it based on um, just... I think it's an algorithm. Oh, man, we're getting really super... Uh, I, oh, I tried. You, I tried to br- breathe some humanity in this robot. They're shooting it down. Like, nah, it's all. Fun. I know. I. I honestly feel like. <laughs> she did yeah, it for I his feel sake. like that's kind of. <laughs> yeah, I think she did it for his, his sake. But I don't know, man. Like, the makeout, though. The makeout is the one. Yeah, I, I don't know why. You know what? He's the one that that makes the move on that one. She knows what to do. It doesn't necessarily mean that. Maybe we want to put an emo- <laughs> Maybe want to put an emotional like you know, uh, uh, emo- I guess an emotion onto her. But I think she's just kind of. Reacting, I, yeah. She's, I don't think she's evolved, is what I'm saying. She's reacting this whole film. Do you let me ask you this? Do you think that we want to put emotion on her because she is so goddamn adorable in this movie? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I think so. Of course, she's, she's smiling through the whole thing. She, yeah, she she's a really unique yeah, character, like in a crazy way. There's a, know, there's an there's element where you're like a uh, robot way, a yeah. robot There's way. something very charismatic about her, though. Like, I think as she's an cra- crazy. Person, can be I charismatic. Like. I think she's the best. <laughs> <laughs> the best draw other than Michael Ironside in this film. That's oh, I agree. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, clearly. dude, Skeletron? That's a cool villain. Yeah, but like no, he's, you he's don't just, see him. You don't see yeah. him. He doesn't that have could be line. anyone. I was the most stoked to see Michael Ironside's name in the credits. So. Michael Ironside, I was like, good for you, hey, man. listen, I, I'll tell you <laughs> right now. Love that guy. He's a great This was villain. definitely, when they decided, hey, we're going to make a nostalgic film about the 80s and we're going to get a bunch of unknown actors, somebody said, we need to get one actor. 
yeah, and they were just like, I mean, Michael Ironside, right? Like yeah. he's a bad guy in pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, Robo- yeah Robo- RoboCop, that's a good one. Robo- That'd be perfect. Yes. That's the name we're leading with. It's Ironside. I mean, it is appropriate. I mean, the the nostalgic theme and to get somebody who is actually known for those well, the films that this probably inf- was influenced by. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's the same thing with Hobo with the Shotgun. Yeah. Getting like Rudger Hauer as right. like the hobo. You Absolutely. know, it's, I feel I, I see a lot of parallels in in the, those two films. Different types of films of course but um definitely wanted to drop that the executive producer is the director of hobo with a shotgun in this film and he has some cameo oh, factoids with chris yeah there you go he has a cameo taking in this job. film he gets yeah, no. he taking gets your killed. job <laughs> taking your job with chris I'm glad, I'm glad he learned from hobo how to from a uh, had a shotgun and then... hobo had a shotgun <laughs> hobo with yeah. had a shotgun you know what's funny though about uh and, uh, about he michael decided I- to let other people do it and do it better what's That's funny great. about michael ironside and probably why i thought I, I i'm getting feelings of paul Ver- verhoeven is because <laughs> and i think about I think of RoboCop. I think of Starship Troopers, yeah. and I think of uh, Total Recall. Total Recall. Yeah. Like those are the three that just burned in my head. Of, he was like, of his... wasn't he like in Top Gun? He wasn't he the, the he was in Top the Gun. Weird, like not drill sergeant. No, no, he like, was like a he was like one of the teachers. Right? He's teachers, been in like yeah. he's literally Michael Ironside. I feel like has been in everything. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Ironside has never played the romantic lead in a. <laughs> no, no, no. He's he... never the heartwarming it's, father. It's some <laughs> sort of some sort of hard ass. Hi, hi. Katie, how was school? You never hear that from Michael Ironside. That'd be weird. No, he's a great villain, though. Yeah, he yeah he's a, he's great, a villain. great villain, and that's I mean they did the right job if they really wanted to tap into that era to pick the guy who did it best. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean I think they I think that was a huge part of this film is like <laughs> tapping into that era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I you know like I think they I don't know if they just literally had to do tons of research. We're just huge fanboys of all you know just film in general from this era. But I feel like they fucking nailed it in a lot of cases. Like yeah. you know even like showcasing things that like like for example the. Uh, the little viewfinder thing that he looks through and he clicks through, oh, yeah. the, you know, with the dinosaurs, uh, like some picto viewer or some click shit. Yeah, click a view. I yeah, but it's like called. we all know those as like being I a little kid, but it's I like it was interesting how they used it as a significant, uh, mm-hmm. you know, piece from his childhood, you know. And I, I, I mean, I, I, I like that it wasn't just they didn't just barf up like a bunch yeah, of shit. Yeah, like, that was the thing that I remember the first time viewing this was and, and watching it now is like. The thing is, like, I, I'm never a fan of movies when I hear it's a modern day cult classic. It's a brand new cult classic. Like, but at least in for this movie, I, I loved the way that they treated the nostalgia. I loved the way that they presented it to me because I thought it was it was smart and it did feel like it was coming from a place of like respect and almost like fanboyish joy. Like instead of just like What's every cult film got? All right, let's put it in this movie. We'll make ourselves a cult film. Like, it didn't have that arrogant vibe to it. It didn't feel like, uh, I mean, I know it was said, in at least in Who with a Shotgun, that if to some people it felt like it was a ripoff of a bunch of other films, maybe this one le- feels less like that, and they just incorporate the the things yeah. that they loved rather than, like, it's like the diff- it's like the difference. Uh, it's like the difference between Quentin Tarantino and um, uh, who's the guy that did Green Inferno? Uh, Eli, Eli Roth. Roth. It's a difference. Eli Roth feels like he just carbon copies, and I feel like Quentin Tarantino takes concepts and kind of puts them in his own his own vibe, reimagines them. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I don't um, know. I 
I mean, I, see, I don't. I don't see too much of a difference between this and Hobo with a shotgun. I, if, oh, if I don't I, mind. I mean, I, I don't mind because I know what you mean. Yeah. I think story wise, this film is a is is a little more on the tame side. Like, like it it, it, it has more human. Yeah. Hobo with a shotgun seems like it exists in a world that can't be. This movie's a little more romantic this, than yeah. Hobo with a shotgun. Right, is. right. <laughs> that one's just kind of like we said, kind of mean spirited. Um, yeah, which which is what it's supposed to be. It's totally supposed to be exploitive and just nasty. But um, this one feels like it has a little bit. They they went for more of a charming kind of yeah, like a heart. Yeah, it, which yeah. I think goes well with that era too. Yeah, it's a difference between like a street trash and like. You well, know. it's what makes things acceptable for you to watch, right? Because as far as like watching this film, like you know, if it was if it didn't have that heart, you, you and, and stuff like that, it's kind of hard to transport yourself into this world where these things are acceptable. Because like the gore is over the top, like mm-hmm. it's crazy over the top. You know what I mean? This, even the story is somewhat over the top because it's about robots and a war, and it's basically an alternative Earth in 1987. It's post-apocalyptic. But you're able to accept all those things with this movie because, again, I feel like it's because you care about it and you can relate to the characters. Yeah. I mean, so, like, the 1997 thing, I know we were talking about, and I know I was the one that brought it up that it was, like, an alternate dimension, but there's also a part of me that kind of feels like they're really trying to make... They're really trying to make it feel like this is a a film that you did pick up when in 1997. You know, when you... Here's what I think they were trying to actually, like... To, to to like catch on to was like when you watch like Escape from New York, yeah, and it takes place in what is it nineteen ninety seven ninety seven it does yeah what a coincidence right yeah really um and you watch it and you but when you watch it now you're like wow future's not anything like yeah, that. yeah. You know, I was like Haha. <laughs> yeah. well I mean didn't the war against the machines and Terminator start in ninety seven as well I think so, so it's too, like yeah. a common ninety seven uh, which yeah, is probably think, why they picked the year I think yeah, they I'm did sure. probably say that they probably said like wow we've all these films that now that you watch them now, they're yeah. so far off. Let's just fucking run with it. Absolutely. And do that. Um, I was, yeah. I was trying to figure <laughs> out the, like where the, the BMX influence came from because even like they even have like chase scenes. Like The like, chase scenes are so fucking do doing, funny. Like, jumps yeah. and shit. It's like, so funny. With got, BMX bikes and yeah, I'm like, this is... They're going is... so slow. I know. And I'm the like, music so is slow. like, the music feels like it's supposed to be so Can intense I... and I'm just like, I'm laughing I'll, at this. I'll jump in the music too real quick too. I was like, Oof. did the same guy who did fucking Drive do this soundtrack? I was... Probably. Or or it's the, sim- it's the same kind of music. That synth wave sim- shit. Yeah. I don't mean to say shit. I like it, but... This is that. This is a one aspect of this movie I did not like was the music. Really, I like the music. Yeah, I here's the thing. Like I like the main. I guess we call it the main theme. The the do, 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 kind of thing it was fine and all, but the problem is, it's like the music doesn't uh, like or- organically change with the film. Like there's moments where it's kind of like where yeah, Cody's saying there's moments where he thought they were kind of funny, but they didn't have that kind of impact because that music was just this very sorrow sounding sad shit so there's scenes where they're having these real intimate kind of emotional conversations or or turbo kids kind of opening up a little bit to apple right and then there's scenes where it's kind of like a comedic relief scene but it's the same sad music they play over and i hated that aspect because i feel like it it ruined the tone for me like Mm. the movie could have felt maybe a little bit more impactful overall if the music just had a little more God damn, a little more dynamic to it, but it was like it felt like the same two or two and a half or three tracks that just kind of shuffled between throughout the entire film. Yeah, I got you. I understand what you mean. Yeah. 
A lot of canon films are like that though too. Mm-hmm. They yeah. just use the same beat over and over yep. and over again. Yeah. And they just kind of like, like the 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 star scene you're talking about is whether we're looking at the stars. That was a perfect scene where they could have had some kind of more, I guess, slightly lighthearted sounding music over her explanation or let the music drop out for effect when she gives her very cold robotic explanation mm-hmm. and then maybe pick up when she's like, oh, yeah, that could be a cool idea, too. And it could have just made the scene, made that made that little kind of bit of comedy hit a little bit more. Boom. Boom. I, I shat all over the soundtrack. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Sucked. Next. <laughs> what do you also want to bring up? Yeah. You want to bring up the special effects? Watch yeah. me shit you know, on it. Yeah. I will comment on, on, on some of those scenes that you're talking about where they do play that music. Like Those were probably, for me, the most draggy moments of, of this film. And maybe it was because of the music that they chose that made them feel that way. I didn't realize it at the time, but... But I remember just kind of checking out at, yeah. at certain points, and I'm like, yeah, maybe it was because that synth wave like really gets me, like keeps me going, keeps me in it. You know oh, what and, I mean? It's yeah, very the action's upbeat. happening. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's like I don't know. There were parts where I was checking out, and I've seen this movie before, but like there, I noticed moments where I was. Yeah, like, Yeah, I mean, there's very few movies that I can honestly think of where I've honestly like thought about the music. Like, God damn, this is not fit right now. And this is just one of those. Hmm. Interesting. There are some of the gore I do want to talk about, especially in the pool scene. Oh, yeah. Why don't you set the scene for us? The pool scene is basically is when we learn uh, where the water uh, is uh, coming from. Uh, and it's coming from body parts because what Zeus is doing is he's having these pit fights in an empty pool. And then the people who lose, he throws their body into a machine. And it turns the body, which is like what ninety percent water or something like that. Yeah, he know. goes over like a whole percentage stat about yeah, which percentage. Very scientific explanation. Yeah. But she, which you know, he does say, "I love science." Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, because he's a robot. Yeah, robots love science. Makes sense. Super but you don't know that at this point. Yeah. <laughs> which that's the other thing too. I I was kind of confused about with his character and trying to figure out if he hates humans so much. Why is he trying to keep them around? He's giving them water. Like he could just kill them off. They robots don't need water. I mean, he wants to be like. He needs an army, though. They yeah. weren't all robots. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. But he yeah. doesn't like. Robots. None of them were robots, really, except yeah, for him. It was just him and Apple is the only two robots. Yeah, that yeah. But film. that's what I'm saying. Like, he right. doesn't like humans. His, his, it seems. Yeah, like but he can't. He can't just crank through. To 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 Mike's point, he can't just like take over parts of land by himself. Like, he needs an army. If there's to, no humans to, around, but what do you mean? There's no. There was plenty. There's of no water. No, but if there's no water, that he'll eventually outlive them. So they can't find water. Yeah, I think it's just a way to be a dictator, almost. Yeah, like, yeah. Just... I think he, that he's using the water as a way but, to like control. Like, yeah, just like give the, just like giving so the people the air. The, again, then it would be more <laughs> of an emotional thing Coming where a robot water. learns emotion rather than what. Well, that's why I think that. The, well, I, I think the robots do have emotion, but <laughs> I agree. To, I to, to go actually, I'm going to say to maybe possibly go a theory against that, against my own theory actually about them having emotion. He was a corporate. Like droid, yeah. Maybe his only understanding of the world is programmed as in uh, find a product and own and control the oh, populace, wow, like yeah. through this concept. Right. Like, that does sound, yeah, yeah. makes sense. That's makes sense. a good one. I like that. I mean, you said you want to talk about some of the gore. Yeah, it, you got derailed by the water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry, I got de- no. Yeah, I was. Well, going you, back you to were setting that scene, the pool scene, which we 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 go to that pool that pool a few times in the film. Yeah, and I think there's some pretty cool concepts going on in there. Like, I mean, even just visually, like the way they came up with costuming and 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 props. Like, 
two sledgehammers made out of like basically cinder sticks blocks? and cinder blocks. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. ooh, that looks brutal as fuck. fuck like, yeah. like they did a really good job with um, giving these, making these characters feel like characters. This feels like it could have been a comic book. I don't know if it was, but like very reminiscent of that. I felt like Mad Max to me, like Thunderdome. Yeah, the costuming specifically. I (laughs) just in this scene that you're talking about and thinking about it, I got got a vibe of like Guar meets Mad Max in terms of the costuming and the gore and stuff. For sure. Oh, I love like the fucking and the funny thing about it too is. The arm wrestler guy, uh, uh, what's it? Frederick. Frederick. Not my favorite character in this movie. No. I like him. Um, Probably my I, least favorite. I, he reminds I me of a, he reminds me of an anti-hero from like a spaghetti western. Yeah. Yeah. He really was Count trying to like, he was a good smoldering, like, kind of like, ant- yeah, he's anti-hero been, is he's, the yeah, best word. He's been yeah. an asshole who will help you out. Yeah. yeah. But I like that he was in the movie. I just, I guess out of all the characters, he, he was kind of towards the bottom for me as far as like when he was on screen at enjoyment, you know? But, like, there's that fucking scene where he, uh, Turbo Kid, like, takes off and uses he's using his, like, machete that he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he does the eyes, throat, and groin attack. Yeah. <laughs> but cuts that dude's fucking eyes, like, slid right across the eyes, slid right across the throat, and yeah. then the, kicks the ball. But those effects are so fucking sick with the head chop. There's a couple head chops in this. That There's are just quite amazing. a few. There's quite yeah. a few where they take the top above the eyes off. Just, yes. the, just the dome. I can't think of one effect in this movie that I wasn't impressed by. I was very impressed by all like, the there, there, there is one single, there is one single blood splatter effect that I saw. And I was oh, like, I was like, that looks kind of. Is ah. it the golf club effect when yeah, when might, he when he uses the golf club on the mom's head? One of them felt incredibly CG. Yeah. I mean, CG blood was used throughout, but there was one right. I was just like, man, that's the golf one. Yeah, the fucking what's the blade dude's name? I don't even know his fucking name. Skeletron. Skeletron. A Skeletron. Yeah, yeah that guy's badass. He's badass. I loved he him as cool. a villain. His, his weapon fucking, was interesting. His fucking buzzsaw like gat gun. It was actually you know what it was. I was thinking about it. I was like, this seems so familiar. This I don't know if you guys ever played a game called it's a PC game called Redneck Rampage. I have that. One of the guns was the buzzsaw gun. Yeah, it I was totally like, remember that. Yeah, it's like yeah. it was like that. I was trying to think where did I have seen this before. Just the way where like it just comes up like fucking Wolverine's claws and he can just <laughs> chuck it, you know, or just shoots out. Mm-hmm. And when it, like, they did such a good job with, like, the camera work to, like, fake, like, the action, you know? So it's like you'd you'd see it come out and you'd hear the sound effect of it shooting and the camera would just pan quickly over mm-hmm. to somebody's body with half a saw sticking out of I'm it and to... there would be geysers of yeah. blood coming out. I'm trying to think where I, like, I've seen that effect a lot. Oh, I mean, a lot of films on low budgets do camera like, tricks like this. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is like this one got the feel of like, you know, normally it's a jump cut, right? Like you see like a close up of a hand, it fires a thing, and then a close up of like the blade already in somebody's head, right. right? Just a cut. Right. This one it feels like they shifted the camera really quickly. The, yeah, the movement makes you feel like you're seeing yeah, it go it moving, across. Which yeah. in reality it's probably just a digital like tr- like it's effect. not even digital. They just you know? panned really fast and the effect and was already them, and they in put them. The, and they put yeah. the, the next frame uh, as the, the no that the, the, the effect was already on the corpse when and they it's pan to it. Oh, it's pan okay, hit that the makes blood. more sense. Yeah. That makes yeah. a lot was more sense. Predator did that a lot, or maybe I don't know. I'm trying to think where I've seen that effect used a lot. It's used in a lot of effective points. It's either in like I Come in Peace or Dark Angel, whatever title you want to go with. Uh, <laughs> I like a come in peace. Right. I don't like Dark Angel. This is a album. trick that a lot of people, I mean, especially in horror films for like people throwing knives, throwing axes, yeah. throwing yeah. like any of this shit. Like, 
Like it just makes you think you're seeing it, you know, but you're not. But they do a lot of this fa- at Hobo with a Shotgun, same way, yeah. same same style of like action, really. Like, well, because you can tell. I mean, especially with this movie, it was New Zealand and Canada is where this movie was filmed, and you can tell, man, it was done on a low budget. Think so? I think maybe a couple million, two million, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's a I low think budget. It was yeah, but it's a low budget. For I, don't, I don't feel like I don't feel like it felt low budget. Oh. I've seen no, a lot more a, movies well, that it felt low. No, as fuck. but that's the, I think that's the great thing about this movie because yeah. a lot of it is set is just the set, which is just like let's find an empty. This is like go to place. empty quarries and we're yeah. just gonna shoot here. for It's a while. like literally outside. Yeah, I feel like the costumes had to be pretty expensive. Costuming was probably a lot of. Li- I thought the costume of was set budget. design were better than like the, the, I think the set design was the most. Ex- no way. I think there's some. I mean, there there's yeah, some detail paid. There's some attention paid to the sets. In when these he goes films, into whatever like, that train car, spaceship, airplane, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, that's like just simple. Like that's a what are those little the, electric orbs? Yeah, that's how, yeah. You, that's how you know. Oh, this is this is technology. Let's but they had to orbs. have built that whole <laughs> everything around that thing. Yeah. Looks real like well, I must have like constructed some kind of yeah, it looked, metal it looked canister. Good. I thought I, I thought they did a good job with the budget they had. If it was if it was low, fucking oh, good on that. them, man. Good on them. I mean, it looks very cinematic. Like it doesn't it does. look like a shot on video, you know, well, no, like I, like digital film. Like a, a lot of indie films you see, even two million dollar budget films, don't have that crisp quality that looks that just has a very cinematic feel to it. Yeah, and even the deaths like. A lot of them, I was kind of like, I was just really impressed. Like they had to have used a lot of like dummies and a lot of like mannequins and whatever. But I just think they had a really good effects artist. Yeah, I, I, I was don't... like the way they got it. He it cut him, and you saw it done like in real time. Right. It was like I I thought it was pretty impressive. I thought oh, it I agree. really got the. Uh... Can I tell you what I don't like about this film? Hmm. The robot is no. <laughs> it's part of it. Zeus. Uh, as, no, as Apple and uh, Apple's. How many times do we have to kill Apple? They killed Apple like three or four times. Three or four times yeah. in this film. It was so overdone. Yeah, but I think it was also making a point because he lost his family. His family died in front of him when he was younger. And now this person he's having connection to once again is dying multiple times in front of him. Like it's always in front of him, mm-hmm. you know? And so I don't know if it's like a, them trying to say, like, you know, you're becoming stronger. You're getting through it more each time. Like you're fighting for a just cause kind of a thing. I don't know. I, I got the impression it was somehow related to the death of his parents and him having to experience it with Apple over and over again. I also I, thought it was done for a little bit that. of a comedic edge to it. Cause the first time it's like serious. It's, it's like, like Oh sad. no, it's sad. Like this, this character's dead. And then she's sitting there and actually even the, when, when he comes to and he starts talking to her, they, they framed the scene really well because when it, the initial establishment shot, of her the camera is just the, the bottom of the frame is just above the the bullet hole and then it's only after like two or three cutbacks that it drops down about half an inch and then you see little lights flickering and shit inside of it and they add this the sound effects to it to make you notice that she's a robot but yeah from that point forward i think it was just part of me felt like it was almost comedic it was just like oh she got shot again okay you know i don't know because i felt like they tried to play it emotionally each time that it happened i think there was a part of it that at least for me, I actually did believe that she was dead every time because it was kind of like, all right, a bullet, but like definitely not her head getting cut off, right? Right, right. Okay, all right, she didn't. She and didn't then make she, it. And then she's talking with just a head. I'll yeah. be okay. <laughs> Don't worry. Right. <laughs> and, and then like, I was kind of like, oh, okay, all right. 
And then I, I, I mean, for me, I guess I kind of believed it over and over again. So it, yeah, I, I will agree that maybe they could have done it one less time. What did yeah. they do it four times total? Yeah, I think it was like four times. Total. Yeah, well, the final time, she yeah, is and then the final time, she's dead. She's done, done. Which I have a question about. It's like, why couldn't you have just gone go gone yeah, back to I the know. robot rig graveyard and? Yeah, yeah, I don't know what was going on. Yeah, that's what I thought. I too. mean, I did like. I thought it was clever that they gave her like health bars, you know, like on her arm, like very video game. Very oh yeah, it's like yeah. every heart that's ever come from like a Zelda or any yeah. other video game. I, I, from the 19th. I thought it was kind of cute and it fit her character, you know. It, yeah, like, I liked it a lot. Um, we we haven't talked about you know since we were on the subject of like how this guy's family does die, like how Turbo Kid's family is killed. Yeah, we didn't go into the backstory. Yeah. So, you know, he's a kid, and his family are what? Like, they're like water harvesters? I'm no, they're just, they're just they're survivors, just have, man. They're just survivors. They just got yeah. a lot of water. They're just survivors, yeah. and, and I got a vibe. I mean, clearly the kid's younger, so this is part, this is a part, this is a, this is a moment in time when water wasn't as scarce it is, as it is in the world we're currently existing in. And, and Michael Ironside's character, I feel like, is just kind of moving into the area. Like, right. I don't feel like he's you know, already owning this town and shit. And I feel like that they're hoarding this water for themselves. That, you know, they're just kind of surviving and trying to raise a kid. So, yeah, he comes in. Michael Ironside character shows up with uh, Skeletron and kind of fucks their shit up because... Only he's allowed to have on their it, water, and like and that turf. that's the whole thing. He's yeah. just basically coming in, muscling his way in, letting people know that if you want water, the only way you can get water is through me. Right, and then yeah. that's where he loses his eye. Yeah, but then we also find out that that's not the same Zeus that we deal with at the end. That's not robot Zeus. Yeah, it that's is. human Zeus. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. it's the Zeus. same Zeus. It's I mean, that's Zeus. why when they show his eye, it's all torn to shit. Like, no yeah. man, no, that's the same Zeus. Yeah, no man, I I took it as. There's he no said, clone Zeus. Yeah, he's Zeus. Robot Zeus even says, "I was made to look like my creator." Yeah, the the human that created him, not the guy who showed up and killed. Yeah, the guy that showed up is Zeus. Fucking built a goddamn robot. No, and that that was human Zeus, and that he killed that Zeus and kept the eye patch. Who killed that Zeus. What's that? He thinks no. he built a clone. I'm saying that human Zeus was the guy that killed. Turbo Kid's mother no, 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 built no. a robot that looked exactly like him, and that robot came came about and said, "Well, I'm just going to kill this guy." No, 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 this robot, this robot was built to serve to serve a purpose, which is it related to what you said, big business. He's a corporate robot. You don't think he built the robot? No. Why would Why would he say I'm a corporate robot? But really, really, he was just built, you know, eight years ago by this fucking asshole with one eye. I guess that's right. That doesn't make any sense. I really thought that that was like another f- twist to this nah. movie was that like... Sorry. Right, he, there was like two Zeuses, like one human one and then like a robot took his place. I don't like taking twists away from people, but... Uh, <laughs> can I be say I, That would have been a cooler twist. Yeah, <laughs> I think that might have really, been. That would have raised more questions. Really, I'd really, be like, uh, wait, how does this guy have the skill to build really, a clone really robot? I think I could have approved on this film. A clone bot? <laughs> Anyways, all right, so I guess that isn't the twist. Anyways, so, yeah, but, like, but that doesn't seem right, man. Like, a fucking arrow is, like, a big deal. What do you mean? There's, like, blood and everything well, coming out of it him. should have killed. got shot by a goddamn laser beam, and it didn't do anything to him. It just seems like an arrow is, like, not something that's going to hurt that. 
things. What do you I, mean, I it didn't hurt him because he took an arrow to the eye and was like, "I'm still going." Yeah, just but it, fine. wasn't there like blood, like physical blood? There and was, it was there like was blood, but blue. but the Terminator bleeds. And blood. there was blood at the end too when he got yeah. when he got doesn't his eye patch ripped. Yeah, doesn't, there was blood on his face and shit. Doesn't Apple throw up? I thought Apple. Yeah, Apple does throw up at some yeah. point in time. But doesn't Apple bleed like a bluish liquidy shit? Yeah, when her back gets whatever, like that, her one of her tubes is like spraying. That's out why I assumed that, that. That's why I assumed that. No, they're like cyborgs. They're like fucking the Terminator. Terminator is a fucking living organism on the outside with a robot on the inside. This is exactly what the Michael Irons says. Right, is. but I'm saying that like. I thought Apple was bleeding blue, and I thought that Michael Ironsides, because Zeus was bleeding red at the time. So at the time, I was like, oh, I get it. He was human then. Different model. Yeah. Maybe he, that is. He, she even says it. Corporate like, models got back, red back, blood. Yeah, back when she, he's like, I thought all robots were evil, she said, oh, we're all different models. Well, that was confusing. So thanks for clearing that up for me, guys. There you go. If you were wondering that about Turbo Kid, now you know. There you go. Now you know. Around here, we like to do things with a little more joie de vivre. Lives. That's a nice touch. And there's more. Blades and fire! Ah. What I say, blades and fire! I want blades and fire! All right, Zeus. What you want, Michael, to see? All right. Anyways, yeah. So she throws up, Cody. <laughs> no, no. We're down in the. We're. I don't even think we 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 finished the fight down in the in the pit. Where we're are we all, at right I now? Mean, we've been everywhere. Well, oh, anyways, is, no, there's no now, order. Now to we this. know it's Zeus kills the mother and the father, and uh, oh, that's Turbo right. Kid makes the realization. Now becomes a revenge story to some extent, right? Which and, that's a and, really good. And I, yeah, and I, I like the way that they did it because they, the way they they peppered in the flashbacks. I've always been a fan of that, actually, from because uh, they do that to great effect in Once Upon a Time in the West, uh, Spaghetti Western, where throughout the whole film you're just peppered into the same scene playing over and over again, but it kind of gets a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And I've always liked that. I've always thought that's been a fun and smart way to to to, to show backstory to characters and keep the audience kind of engaged in it. So Well, it made me feel like uh, even Turbo Kid wasn't aware of exactly what happened until he... Like it's like he had memory of it, but kind of forgot about it, and this was like the unveiling yeah. again of mm-hmm. what actually happened to it. yeah, what actually happened to his parents. Because you're a kid, you block it out. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah, it's especially if you've just horrific. been in survival mode for the last like ten years. <laughs> Pretty horrific, you know what happens to your parents. You see that happen. So, I don't know. I thought it was a great way to explain it too. Mm-hmm. I agree. What do you say we rate this man or jam? What are we rating it, Mike? I think we should rate it. Uh... Oh, the hearts or gnome sticks or gnome? Was it <laughs> yeah. gnome stick? Gnome bats? What are they called? Stick. I think it was gnome sticks. It's gnome stick. It's gnome stick. Yeah, I guess gnome stick is a little bit more. I like the hearts though. All right. Yeah, let's do health hearts. We'll do health hearts. All right. Let's start with Chris. I love this movie. Um, I've I've seen it twice before this. Um, it's again has a very hobo with a shotgun feel but a little more heart and charm to it it uh you know and i really enjoyed that film i uh, love the gore aspect love you know the characters in this film i think it's really pretty creative and and well done for sort of a throwback film or a nostalgic film if you will um i think uh 
I think everybody does a great job. I think the the cinematography was really awesome. I mean, it just this film feels just action packed to me. You know, there's a couple moments that drag, but overall, like this film's super fun, and it's one of those ones I could watch pretty frequently. So I'm gonna give it a four. Four health hearts. Four from Chris. I'll go next. I would say for me, I'd give this probably a three point five. Um, I think it's a good movie. Uh, I do think it does drag in some. I think a lot of like her deaths happening over and over again is to get to that hour thirty. Um, I think it kind of struggles a little bit to be that long of a film. It would have been fine in an hour. Um, you know what I mean? I I personally think, but otherwise from that, I think it's fun. I think it's funny. Um, it takes for me a little bit to get going, but after it does and Apple, after Apple's introduced, like I'm full on board. Like she saved this movie for me. 100%. She is a, a very likable character and just fun to watch on the screen. So, and Michael Ironside, he was pretty good too, but everybody else was like, meh. You say this film would be fine at an hour. Yeah. It wouldn't be a feature then. I know. Okay. That's okay. It'd be just like a really long short film. I guess it'd be Kung Fury did that. Yeah, yeah Kung Fury did the same Kung thing. Fury. Kung Fury was 30 minutes. Yeah. Oh, was it was 30 minutes? Okay. This this film really it does not need to be an hour and a half to tell it. Like, it's not that deep of a story. I mean, neither is Robot Jocks, but that got a, that got a <laughs> solid 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Great film, too. <laughs> but no, 3.5 for me. I think you should watch it. I think it's a good film. It's, yeah. Yeah, so the second time I watched this movie, um, I enjoyed it um, like I did the first time. I think this is a fun movie. I think it's a smart way to showcase um, a director's obvious uh, love for you know films of the 80s and and that kind of tone and style that comes with it. And he blends it really well with – I think there's element, there is elements of maybe ja- of like Japanese manga comics in here with the, with the ultraviolence that we see. It's very reminiscent of something like a Rikkyo as well. Um, it's a fun movie. It's not – it's not going to be the most depth-filled plot or storyline, but neither did neither was any movie that came out in the '80s, honestly, any action movie. So I think it, I, I think it, it's fun for what it is. The thing about it, the second time seeing it is, uh, it, it's the first time I noticed the music, and I feel like the tone. I feel like the second time around, the tone was off. I felt like it wasn't as cohesive as the film itself is. I think it's the one element that's a total weakness in this movie. And, um, I mean, I'm going to come in. I was going to come in at a 3, but you gave it a 3.5, and I feel like I liked it better than you did, Cody, so I guess I have to give it a 3.5 because that makes... That's equal to what he gave it. Yeah. That's <laughs> not a 4. That's not a 4 for me, but it's a 3.5. I think it's a fun movie. I think check it out if you like... If you like genre films, if you like, you know, if you like cheesy sci-fi, if you like Starship Troopers, that sort of stuff, you'll dig this movie for sure. So, three point five. Mike, I love this film. I thought this was, this was great. This is the first time I ever saw it. Um, I did not know what to expect. I, I obviously knew that I was getting into a, a really heavy, stylized, nostalgic type of film. I got that part. I didn't realize I'd be getting a nice, good, heavy hand of gore on the side with it. Um, I got to give this, I think, four. I just really, I, and I, I mean, I was thoroughly engaged throughout the whole film. I really didn't feel like it was that slow, and I thought it was nice. I mean, I, yeah, I would take out one of the one of the girls' deaths probably. That, that may be the only qualm I had, 
And, uh, you know, obviously there was one scene I had no idea what the fuck was going on. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe, maybe the, whole sub, the whole subplot. <laughs> maybe, maybe I took too much, too much excitement in this made up <laughs> plot point that I created. But, um, no, I just, man, I just really like this film. I was, I'm glad that our fans reached out and said like, you know, check this one out. Cause I don't know if I ever, I mean, it probably would have been a few years before I had, uh, knowing me. So. Thank you, everybody out there, and uh, for. Are we gonna say I, we never asked this question? Did it, or is this a cult film? Huh. Do you think it's a cult film? Cody? I I will answer that question with a yes, Mike. Like yeah, like it's in the way I guess Hobo and the Shotgun is right. Like I think we agreed that was no. I think a this is film. bigger than that. I think. <laughs> I think no. I think me and Chris had said like. Like a yeah or a maybe, and you guys were definitely like a no. I think I I said it could be yeah. someday, and and maybe like and maybe we could. I guess maybe I don't know. Maybe for me because I knew Ho with a shotgun so well, and I didn't know Turbo. I like never even really heard about Turbo Kid until people started talking about it, and then I was like, okay, it must be a cult film because like it's not. And but that it seems egotistical for me to say that it wasn't on my radar, so. You know, this must exist in some sort of other society <laughs> grouping of people that love this film, which is like I feel like is the absolute definition we, of a cult film. So we have I, personal friends that have cosplayed. Well, that's what I was just gonna say. Is we, I, ha- we do. I, I, yeah, I, I've seen people dress up as characters from this film. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think that's a good sign too. Yes. Yeah, it, it is, is a good, good sign. sign. Kyle, yeah. do you think it's a cult film? I mean, I think it. I I, I think it. It has all the tools. Uh okay I don't know I hey, let me let me re, let me re, rephrase that I think right now it it is will it stand the test of time I don't know you know I think right now when it came out it came out at a great time it came out um when nostalgia is fucking king um but you know ten years from now is anybody gonna come back to this I don't know I actually think that's a good point Kyle I think if you take this off of Netflix does it make a sound. I think it does. But, like, yeah. Like, does I think it does? Like, if you take this out, like, you know, like if a tree falls in the forest, no one's around to hear it. Doesn't make a sound. If you take this film off of Netflix, yeah. What if this does m- it? What if this film did not come out on Netflix? Would this have the buzz? Yeah. This hasn't this been was, on Netflix forever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this film has been out for out, years. It originally came out on Netflix. It was been out forever. On Netflix, it's always been yeah. On it Netflix. debuted on Netflix, but it didn't debut on Netflix. Yes, it did. Wait, well, it played. It played. It played show. It played. The festival, festival circus, okay. but right. be- the first time it was available publicly was Netflix. Okay, so, but I mean, this is that's like saying like any one of the old cult films uh, from canon wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for video stores. Like there are a lot of films. Isn't Netflix just what? kind of like the new video store? I to think to some extent it's listen, just another distribution. This, this is total. This is that's a little bit different because Netflix. You can't compare Netflix to a fucking mom pop video store. Netflix has the reach. Yeah, it's true. It does have the reach, but I th- I think yes. I think it. I think I think in order for it to have even gotten to 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 this Netflix and to be on there for now, what three years? Like people must like this film. It must have a following. Like and there must be something special. About no, it. I I agree with that. But if you don't give the platform like Netflix to see it, does. I mean, there was. Did you see the opening? There was like fifteen companies there involved was, like in this well, in this film. Yeah, like, I fe- yeah. well, because it was the distribution probably, of I this fi- film. And I figured that's probably because it was literally probably funded by. Yeah, by that's why I figured that was low. New Zealand. A lot of low budget films have like eight thousand well, production companies. Like countries like New Zealand, Germany, and stuff like that will will go and they will 
they will um, uh, finance a lot of these films. Also, I'll say one of those companies could have funded this film, but there was like a lot of people with a lot of hands in this project. I don't know why. Just, well, just but... the fact that it's can- Canadian and, and New Zealand made me think that it was somehow state funded because like that's how Uwe Bao used to get his fucking movies made. He used to come over. He used to come over here to get them made because fucking Germany would give him a whole bunch of money for it. Well, I understand that. I just I'm trying to figure out where we're coming from from this idea of like the concept of like this wouldn't have been a cult film if it wasn't. Oh, I'm for not saying Netflix. I'm not saying I'm, yeah, I'm not saying either way either way. But I, I would, do, would I, this would this have had the same impact if it came out to just a red box versus going straight to Netflix? I th- I think yes because I think this film got really great reviews when it was doing the festival yeah, circuit. Yeah, like, that's like the, thing. the fact that it even has a Rotten Tomato score too to me is like another testament of the fact that it even like I. I, I when I go through the library of horror films on Netflix, I haven't heard of like ninety oh, percent of them, of them. Yeah. and there are plenty that I've clicked on just to be curi- curious about, and yeah. I and I know it's a B movie bullshit film that I don't care about, right? It's Netflix has so much content on it to 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 be able to pull yourself above it and to actually pull an audience from it. I feel it's just any. I don't see it as much different than just being. Sent to direct it's to video a testament in the, of the 90s. film. Yeah, it's like, not a testament of the platform yeah. that it's available on. I think. Yeah, I think. I think this film was was just it, the critics loved it, like especially genre film critics, and they made a lot of noise about it when it was coming out. And I think true. that really helped. I do remember that that really helped an audience that is into genre film like catapult it, and then bigger platforms took on the film because it was getting a bunch of buzz. And it helped its success. I won't disagree with that. Putting it on a major platform is always going to oh, help the success genius, of yeah. a film. It is. But I think the film, if it sucked and it got on that platform, it would have died out and been buried behind the 20,000 other movies yeah. that nobody knows about. You know, but but people talk about it and cosplay it because it resonates with them. Oh, I agree. I think, but going back to the original question, which was, do I think it's a cult film? I think it, it is right now, and I'd be curious to see if it stands the test of time, because I don't know if it yeah. will, because this movie is really popular, like I said originally, because it came out when... Um, nostalgia. Nostalgia is, like, the thing. and you know. I, so if nostalgia goes away, does this or other companies... That are that are banking on nostalgia right now, like your fucking even your your fucking Arrow and your shot factories are making shitloads of money because nostalgia is a thing. People are celebrating it. If nostalgia right. goes to the wayside, this and all that stuff will stand the test of time. I don't know, and I that I definitely agree with. And that's I, what I originally. I don't said. know. I don't know <laughs> if um, nostalgia is a trend right now or. You know, it's a it get, trend that always changes because, right, because every decade is, is ev- someone else. Every decade is different. What's going to be the two thousands? It's the boy bands. It's all this shit. Like yeah. the nineties. Uh, it's all videotapes and video games and shit. And you know, it's like the eighties is hair and fucking metal. And you know, it's well, just, like people I work with that are younger than me. Like their shit is. You know what I mean? They they grew up with fucking Drake and something. Oh, I forgot what the not Drake the rapper, but it was like. Drake is a Drake show. and Josh. Drake and Josh, which I never heard of, which was apparently like a big fucking deal. It was deal a huge deal. Yeah. That you was like what, what I mean? my sisters were watching and shit. Like, yeah, you know, so but I don't know what that, I don't know what it is. I have really. no idea what it is either, but apparently that's what, I mean, so they'll be looking back on things like that. Where so Drake we and like, Josh was a story about these two teenage <laughs> boys that live in a house together where and we, they just got into adventures and stuff. I saw Drake and Josh. I know about all that Disney stuff. 
Um, but I'm saying, like, we look back at the 80s and 90s and can relate to that stuff where there's this good, you're right, in 10 years, it's going to be something different because it is an always changing thing. It's a decade and, thing. And well, nostalgia is very important to our age group for some reason, us, uh, the people in the third. Well, because it was the time before the internet, <laughs> I think. I think. I do think, can I say something? I was thinking about that the other day, and I do agree with you a little bit on that. Like, I do What feel else did like... we have to focus on? I mean, we weren't online, we weren't on our phones, we weren't on doing none of that shit. We were like, Renting movies, going to bookstores, going to comic book stores, riding bikes, getting Walkmans. It's a, it's a like, different world compared to, again, like when Drake and Josh was com- came out, like w- what's the big like technological thing that's going to make people go like, I remember that, what, fucking flip phones? <laughs> like, I mean, really, you had side, the internet, sidekick. you had cell phones, all those things existed. Yeah. It's like, you know, when we talk about things like Stranger Things, for instance, right? Kids don't go up on five BMX bikes and ride through fucking town, you know, you know, like in this E.T. kind of situation like that film or that even series talks about a time that's like completely like I feel like it's foreign to people except for the people that lived in it. Right. Yeah. Like nowadays, like and you're right, like our nostalgia is going to change and it's going to be something else. But the kids that are talking about like. Oh man, remember Hannah Montana? Mm-hmm. Like, remember like what when you know you couldn't like when you could be like two people at once though. Like you could be like the superstar and you could be like the down home girl. Yeah, remember when emojis weren't a thing? Like, what the fuck are we? Yeah, yeah. Like, what what are you talking? Well, about? it's all it'll about you know. Different. It'll be different. oh, I had to actually type out a smiley. Holy fucking shit! Like, but no, it'll be something. It will, it will be something different. Yeah, for them. it's gonna be Drake songs. Will, you know, like just yeah. like nostalgic songs for us, and then like Michael Jackson's nostalgic for us. Like Drake is gonna be nostalgic yeah. to somebody it'll or like, Kanye yeah. or whatever. The Xbox like, One was huge. Like it will this be. Whole, you know this, what I mean? Like, I just want to say this whole segment should just be renamed Cult Film Interview Sounds Old and Angry. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even talked about the Zoom yet. Yeah, don't yeah. get me started on Zoom. I bought into it. I bought into it. Yeah, I'm just, but I guess I'm trying to, you know, talk about your theory, Kyle, where I, I do wonder, like, is nostalgia going to be, is we'll nostalgia see in 10 only years if that's going to be something people are excited about or not? Perfect fit right now because. Technology moves so fast, so quickly, and we're just like, I remember the simpler times when, like, none of this shit was really there. And adventure was a thing. And, like... Yeah. It's all you had to do. I mean, you, you didn't... You could you weren't as easily distracted, you know yeah. what I mean? By I mean, television, yeah. Some you know, some people just sat and watched TV, but there was a lot of playing outside and shit like that, you know. So Anyways. all right, let's just end this. All right, that's our <laughs> that is our cranky show for this week. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Do us a favor, head over to social media, follow us on Cult Film underscore view on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook. Then, uh, you know, go leave us a review and we'll give you a shout out at the end of the show. So do that on iTunes. Please, please do that for us. It really helps us out. Uh, May 18th. May 18th. The filmbarphx.com. Get your American movie tickets. Come out. Watch it with us. That should be a really good time. Uh, you can follow Kyle at. You can follow me on Instagram at cultfilm underscore Kyle. You can follow Chris at. Coldfilm underscore Chris on Instagram. You can follow Mike at, at Mike Solistio on Twitter. And you can follow me at VHS Collect on Instagram and Snapchat. <laughs> I don't know why you're staring at me like that. It's just funny. Your, your ads are just so hard today. <laughs> They're not easy. You got a bad throat. I'm sick. Throat. That's our show for this week. Remember, <laughs> if you're going to join a cult, just make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next time. <laughs>